They're cutting out. Can you repeat that? Go for production. Go for production. I said go for production. Production. That's right. You're listening to a podcast about TV and film production. Join us as we converse with industry leaders and gain insight into their strategies, their systems, and best practices in bringing a script to life. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Brendan Riley. Uh, Today we're talking with Josh Weinberg. Josh is the CEO of RABS, a software solution to manage background actors digitally. Josh is a graduate from Tulane University and holds a bachelor's degree in philosophy and political science. Prior to developing RABS, Josh worked in the film industry as a production assistant, where he saw firsthand the many issues that productions faced, including the problem he set out to solve, that of managing background. Josh, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Anything else that I missed about your bio that the, the listeners should know? Well... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i known to show up in a production office or on set wearing a blue suit and a red tie. That's how people recognize me nowadays. <laughs> you stand out, right? Exactly, which, you know, people say to you. I had a I had a producer say to me, like, you wear a suit everywhere. Basically, it's just so not the standard of practice on a show. Everybody's so informal. But anyway, I think it looks good. Yeah, there's parts of Hollywood that's very casual, and then some of the business side, you know, you can dress up a little bit. Um, so tell us about this idea that you had to turn into a company, and how did that become? Well, at first, it's still becoming. Every idea is in a unending process of, of creativity, in my mind. But basically, I was a PA. I was working on a show in Dallas, which is a USA Network series, which is actually still on air, called Queen of the South. And it was my first major time uh, managing the extras on set. And, of course, I'd been around it on other shows and I'd seen it, but I hadn't fully grasped the pain that comes along with it because the first day on set, they basically say, oh, here's 80 extras. By the way, here's <laughs> all the paperwork that you have to do for them. And I'm just like, what do you mean paperwork, right? So you have 80 extras, 80 start packets, 80 vouchers, 80 I-9s, you know, and literally it's like a seven packet start paperwork package. So anyway, not only on that first day do I have no idea what I'm doing with the paperwork, by the end of the day, I had done it all wrong. So the ADs and I had to spend another hour, hour and a half that night correcting everything. And I just said, there's just no way I can possibly <laughs> do this. So I can remember being at a pool party in Dallas because it was the summer and it's like a really great pool party scene. And I remember being at a pool party. I was like on the edge of the pool. And I can remember distinctly there was a glimmer of sunlight that came down and I had basically an idea right there. I said I should get an app to do this. So the first thing I did is I went into the producers and I said, do you mind getting me the app that just deals with all these extras? And they said, such a thing doesn't exist, young man. And there you have it. And that was the beginning of this company. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, You know, I can remember filling out I-9s or having people fill out I-9s. And if you don't highlight it for them, they, they always fill it out wrong or they miss the signature or it's, you know, everybody's like blue in the face. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, so, but that actually, you know, it's like, it seems small, right? It seems like, oh, they missed the signature. Or it seems like they missed the field or you couldn't read, you couldn't tell the difference between this letter on there, like a D or a B or whatever. It seems small and it seems inconsequential to a low-trained PA who's an entry-level employee, but there's something distinct about the I-9 document that makes this problem that I had encountered, unbeknownst to me, much more intricate and dense than I thought it ever could be. And it really has to do with that document, the I-9. So basically the problem that I discovered extends all the way through from the production itself to the PA who's struggling with that little fill-in to the extra, but it goes all the way to the studio. And that's the strange truth in the situation. It goes all the way up to the studio and it goes, not only the studio, it goes to the payroll company, which is a separate business from the studio. And it goes to the casting company, which is a separate business from the studio. So you have these four distinct entities that all can suffer an extreme consequence because from a non-compliant I-9 or other non-compliant documents. But the I-9 itself literally can pose a, a production anywhere from $250 to $10,000 in liability for non-compliance. So the problem was much bigger than a PA not wanting to do their job, basically. And that's one of the nuances of this business. But we'll get into that, I suppose, uh, as we go along. So you, you develop this app and and you um, get it out there in the world, working on shows. Um, let's say, I, you know, I've never heard of this. You know, in a nutshell, describe what RABS is and what it does. What it does is, it, one, it gives the AD department a wonderful, efficient way of managing their extras. So it gives them unprecedented speed and ease, whether the group is 10 background or 10,000. It deals with all of that paperwork. It deals with all the compliance. And in doing so, the efficiency the app creates for the AD department reflects in other areas. So. That other, and most relevant next area is, of course, accounting and payroll for your background. Because really what's going on is that the ADs are managing the extras to get them into the scene, but then all of that information has to be translated into how do we pay all of these extras. And so that payment step, the app has created a very detailed and uh, thorough, I would call it just a payroll suite, which enables the show's payroll accountants to track their, I mean, basically gives you an automatic hot cost report with all your fringes and fees and all of your documents neat, complete, and organized every time. So that's the real great value for a production. <clears throat> Excuse me. And of course, that value has consequences in saving time, saving significant amounts of money. And that problem that I hinted at a moment ago, well, it didn't hint at really kind of laid out the I-9 and document compliance that's the other half of it. It's essentially RABS is a not only a management tool, but it's also a compliance service. And so this compliance is the big word for studios. And that's the real value. And when you're dealing with different departments, let's say costume department, props department, that they're trying to, you know, work with the production to pass off that paperwork. How does it? How does that work? Interface with RABS. 
Well, we do have an interface for costumes and props, and right now it's little used. I mean, the costumers and the prop masters, they don't have to be involved with the system, even though we give them an option to be. It's primarily a tool for ADs and accountants and actually background casting. And um, so, okay, so, but they they do have the option, but sometimes they can do, you know, they don't have to, you know, hold on to that paperwork like they might have to yeah. in a different setting, right? Yes, yeah, so you're right. So it's like, you know, the voucher is used as a piece of collateral uh, in another setting. In in our situation, and it's a, I don't know if I necessarily want to call it a problem, but it is something that either we could create a technical solution for, or we can, what we see is if the, Customers and the prop masters opt to use RABS. We have a nice technical solution for them. If they don't, it's really no problem for anybody. What they've I've seen them do is transition into a ticket system. And we've seen that on days like 700 background, the customers feel just as confident using tickets as opposed to a voucher. And in fact, actually, based on SAG rules, there's not, your customer is not allowed to take the voucher from the extra. Although everybody seems to do it. So it is a violation of the CBA for costumes or props to hold the voucher. I'm, I think one of the big problems that I've always seen on set, especially when, when there's you're talking about hundreds of extras, is, is that checkout process, right? It, it just takes so, so long. So, you know, the, the typical scenario could take an hour, you know, or more. Mm -hmm. Or after somebody's working a 12-hour day, 14-hour day, and then they have to wait another hour, you know. So how much time has your system really helped, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, how, like, it's like this. We see an average of an hour saved at wrap every time, every day. Now, there's certain days where you have 10 extras, so you're not going to save an hour. But we've had days where we've had 300 extras. Those days, you save about two to three hours. So we've had days of 700 extras. We had a day where there was our biggest day ever on the single day in the app was 717 extras. That was our single yeah, biggest night. day. And everybody was able to be wrapped the moment their costumes were returned. So there was none of this. You uh, I mean there were no lines. And that line might have taken the PAs and ADs easily two hours to get through, and then they would have had to collate all of the paperwork. And then they would have to double-check everything to make sure it was compliant, which, by the way, after working 15, as you pointed out, 15 to 16 hours, there's just no way it's even doable. So that right there, that's what I'm talking about with the consequential benefits of creating this one efficiency is that you can save that hour at RAF, which is tangible in a budget. You can see it in a budget. For instance, we just finished a show in Albuquerque where we saw an $85,000 saving in the background budget. Most of that wow. time was just time saved at RAP. I think um, besides the time-saving part of it, um, just the fact that you're saving, you know, from having to print these vouchers or kill all these trees, you know, it's, it's a very green initiative in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, on that same show that we saved 85000 in the background budget, we saved anywhere between 35000 and 50000 sheets of paper. But I also don't like to sell the company based on a green initiative. I actually think it's <laughs> kind of, because, I, because in reality, I think it's dishonest because 
am I accounting for how much electricity is being taken up? Am I accounting for how much the data network is causing when you hit a cell tower with it? I mean, that's not green. I have no way to measure that kind of data. So I can tell you, yeah, we might have saved you 50,000 sheets of paper, which counts for something, but I, I don't really necessarily think it's all that green. And I don't really buy any company that wants to say, we have a technology solution that's super green because it's, it's lying to you. How much, you know, like how much energy are they taking up to run their services? So that's not really right. a part of my offering. Um, and that's but not I mean, what I was told. Right. But compared to the amount of, of apps and other services people are using in conjunction with your product, it's not like it's making a huge difference, I would think, to right. um, the environment. Um, I'm, just, I, I'm just giving you my logic. I, I think the paper, is, you know, my pa right. the paper savings is wonderful. I mean, the fact you can actually, because those packets of paperwork that the payroll company provides are anywhere from three sheets to nine sheets long, depending on how many, uh, you know, compliance documents the studio or the production requires. So I can give you that number, but, you know, the other half of the green equation, I, I don't think it's fair for me to, to try to even represent. Right. And I, I think, though, that just not having to deal with paper is just a great byproduct that I don't have. It doesn't have to be scanned in or doesn't have to be brought to a payroll company. It's it's it saves time in that regard. You're not having yeah. to, somebody's not having to drop off a, a thing of skins um, to the production at six in the morning or, or whatever. Uh, that's wonderful. There's no doubt about it. Now, here's where all that, the consequence of all that paper. When a show is not using rags, this is what they're doing. So it, either central casting or EMS or perhaps Elevate, one of the other players in payroll, in extras payroll, the real players in the game, right? right. One of the, the players in extras payroll has either create, has created some form of a start packet where they pre-print all of that information. They send off the start packet in FedEx boxes. They send it to the show. The show has boxes and boxes of pre-printed vouchers. And then the PAs have to staple all of the additional compliance documents onto. And then the PAs on each successive day, it's not like you can prep 10,000 of them at once. The PAs are constantly having to prep more and more and more of those packets. Okay. So now you have all these packets, and then right. the day on set actually comes around, and now the PAs are responsible for giving them out to all the extras. Each extra has to complete anywhere from three to nine pieces of paper. That paperwork with all of their social security information, their U.S. you know, their citizenship information, their exemptions, withholdings, that all is sitting on set now. And sometimes it's taken by the customers, but most of the time it's just sitting in a box on a table somewhere out in the middle of the desert, <laughs> right? It's like in the wilderness, okay? So the studios recognize that as a security risk, but, and so does, but they, it's done anyway. And you literally will have exposed, any, you will have every one of your extra social security numbers exposed. So big risk, big problem. That sits there all day after you work 12 hours, now the PAs and ADs are responsible for returning that paperwork to the extras who are also trying to get out of their wardrobe, give back if they're still holding props. They have to return the paperwork. The extras have to double check it. You then have to put in the in times, the out times, the lunch times. And you have to do this for every single person. So that's the origin of this line, that line that you brought up. For anybody who's listening who's not as totally familiar with the line, the line is because it is 
a very time-consuming endeavor to have 80 people, let alone 800 people, standing at the end of a parking lot that the ADs have to then check these really long packets. And so once the packets are checked an hour to two hours later, then the ADs have to create a breakdown of that information. So they have to take all the paperwork and they have to match the payment information on there that this person worked from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and they were paid another $30 for a car. They have to group all of those people together they have to organize it the way the accountants want it organized. They have to put that information into a breakdown format, which is a standard format that goes into what's called the production report. And then, as you pointed out, they have to put all of that paperwork into some folder. They'll call it the football. That football then gets transferred to the Teamster, who then transfers the Teamster to the production office coordinator, like the assistant production office coordinator, and then gets it over to the payroll accountant. Now the payroll accountant has to take all of that information. They have to collate it based on the breakdown that was given to them. They have to double check everything again because if the ADs at 10.30 at night after working 15 hours made a mistake, that mistake goes back to the payroll accountant. And then they have to pull all the vouchers. It's a process that they call it peeling the vouchers because each voucher has a yellow, pink, carbon copy behind it. So they have to peel the vouchers then they have to input into a spreadsheet or whatever organization method they want how many each how much money each person is supposed to be paid and then they have to take all the vouchers all that paperwork put it in fedex boxes and ship it back to the payroll company from whence it came that is the wow. process that is the true process for every show that doesn't use rabs and on top of that being intensely laborious and frankly stupid to still be doing it's it's standard operating procedure and it's you know getting people to change from that comes with a lot of moving parts yeah i mean you you told me early on in that conversation i mean your party just sounds fascinating i i think like you talked about it the the problem is trying to you know change a system that's been going on for decades right so I would I would say as long as central casting has been around, which is about a hundred years now. Right. Yep. So what has been some of your challenges to getting productions to, you know, give Rabs a shot and and use yeah. the system? Well, there's a lot of challenges. I mean, you know, there's everything from uh, you have to like really. First is that there's ingrained businesses that don't want to see RABS be successful. That's one of them. Uh, so there's people who will stop us from getting shows because in some sense they view RABS as disruptive. That's one challenge. The next challenge is that you actually have to deliver a really good service that, prom that gives the customer everything that you promise to deliver them. And when you're building something from scratch that nobody's used before, you know, it's not like you can deliver a perfect service from the, the jump. So you have to deal with managing your actual, your customer's expectations. You have to communicate with the customer. And when you work with my company, it's not like we have one boss. We have every customer is the boss, but within each customer, all the PAs are the boss, all the ADs are the boss, the accountants are our boss. You know, we have to manage a lot of expectations and make sure a lot of people get what they feel they deserve. 
Another challenge is you have to be able to justify the cost savings of using this system because it is blatantly obvious that even though we charge a fee, that we're going to vastly exceed the fee that we charge, but people have to be willing to perceive that value. It's more like a delayed return than it is anything else because you're, you know, we're saying, yeah, you have to take a little bit of a loss up front. You got to pay some money to use it. Again, besides the people who don't want to disrupt, besides that there's 14 bosses that we have who all have to be happy, uh, we have to constantly be innovating, which is something I'm more than happy to do. And last, we have to then manage the expectations of the studios and the other two entities involved, which are the casting company and the payroll company. So first, to get through the studio, to work on a studio production is becoming increasingly more difficult for new vendors. I can only, I guess, I, I suppose I can only speak for Rabs, but I would imagine if they treat, if we go through this process, I would imagine they would treat their other vendors the same way. Studios are much more scrupulous about technology ever since some of the more public hacks of the last eight to 10 years. So studios, it's not that they want to stop you from doing business. On the contrary, we actually have had the most success when we go directly to a studio because a studio is more willing to take that kind of delayed gratification. They say, we understand the cost savings, and if we can spread this out across our organization, this can be multiple millions every year. That actually, the app has greater value to a studio also because of the big C word. Remember the big C word here? Compliance. So that's why the studio is very keen on using RADS. Multiple studios are. The difference is to start work with them, it's sometimes a 12 to 15 month process. And it can be expedited if you have a connection here or there, or if you know, you know, if you have nepotism, in all seriousness, like there are people who could probably finesse the studio system, but you know, I was a PA. I was, uh, I was a, a beginning, I was an entry level worker. It's not like I had 25 years worth of contact. It's not like I can call up Bob at, at 20th Century Fox, right? <laughs> right. It's not like yeah. Bob, you do this for me. Your, your, your son, he came to my bar mitzvah, you'll do this for me. It's not <laughs> like that. So it's not that kind of thing. So challenges is always building relationships getting through the studio and honestly navigating the minefield that is the other entities who don't want to see us succeed. And that's, that's the, those are the challenges of adoption. Um, but what I find is that our shows, the ones that adopt are beyond happy, be, become great referrals, give me pages and feedback, text. We have conversations, you know, I text them on, we're talking almost every day and, Every single show that we do, the app gets stronger. And every single show that we do, we can deliver a better product. And to me, it's inevitable that uh, that we continue to grow. Because ever since we started, we've been on a steady uh, growth is how it's gone. So talk to us about some of the stories from the people that have used this, maybe some of the extras or the PAs, ADs. What are some things they've said? Sure. Um, in fact, I ask that question to a lot of people. I mean, I don't, I get a lot of anecdotes, but let me actually pull something up on my computer here. Um, I mean, whenever, like, let's, I walk into an office. It's like, we love it. It's like, we, this is, we love what you're doing. And that's the basic one. But let me pull up an actual letter and I'll give you, you know, I will give you 
I will read you a, a letter from a casting director. The casting director wrote me uh, on one of our shows. Um, now, keep in mind, a casting director is not the customer, okay? I don't sell anything to the casting director, but they're intricately involved in the system because they're obviously casting the extras and they use it. They're one of the most prominent users. So it's sort of interesting that somebody who uses it so much doesn't spend any money to use it. Here, here's what one of our casting director's friends said to us. And, you know, I asked them for their honest feedback. Here's what it is. Josh, I think the best way to express my thoughts about Revs is that it's a wonderful tool that happens to require quite a bit of time and energy on my part. I love that the background likes it so much. I think it's a great tool that easily conveys timely, important info in a way that people really appreciate it. My need to control the distribution of that info is what may be my main concern. I don't want to give up entering info into RABS to an assistant. It feels like a major part of my job that I want to be in charge of. All in all, I will advocate for RABS for the projects I work on. I think it's inevitable that accounting departments will opt to use it. Josh, you provide unparalleled support and instruction. Your speediness and professionalism are impeccable. With regard to the large number of stragglers, so this was a, let me, this is, I'm going to be, go off the letter for a second. So what we find on each show is that we solve some unintended problem. Or we discover some unintended problem that creating a new solution basically, you know, creates. Because right. so it's like this is a problem that didn't exist before. It's called a straggler. Now, it existed on paper in the sense that somebody could make a mistake or not fill out their start packet. But in the app, what would happen is if somebody, for whatever reason, was still on a set without doing their digital start work, the voucher would have to be added in, you know, after the fact. So we would call those a straggler. And there were a couple of days on this one show where they basically let like 30 people work without paperwork. Now, this isn't the fault of the app. This isn't the technical problem. But even though it's not the app's fault in any sense, there was no error. It was still something, and it was entirely the crew's responsibility to make sure they didn't have stragglers. It's still something that as a company we have to be aware of and we have to create new tools to ensure that these human problems that occur as a result of a really empowering piece of technology don't keep occurring. So the large number of stragglers, back to the letter, it seems to be primarily linked to two or three of our very large days. I think our process for checking in people was not adequate or accurate. After those big days, we decided to use a sign-in sheet. It was really just a case of us not being prepared for the number of background we faced. We will need to be more proactive in communicating how the background need to now check in when they arrive and when they're wrapped. We're also going to spend more time stressing the need for correct IDs being uploaded before people arrive to the day of work. So there you go. That's the feedback from a casting director. Is that, and the point I'm making by sharing it with you is that uh, I'm developing a solution that's fluid. So we are essentially, that's why I had written to you before that the app is one part exciting technology, three parts feedback from crew. So even though it's designed to 
maximize and we all here's like here's the thing it's already delivering on the benefit of taking 300 people and putting all the money that you're wasting on paper back in the budget and ensuring a level of compliance you never could have before now we have to maximize the efficiency within the app we've already maximized the efficiency in the benefit in the way it benefits production does that make sense right so now it's about taking it's like tuning it up is where is what comes next um, and like the feedback from ad's are cons is consistently with the pas I, I you know i get where they're coming from it's like i can now spend more time on set i can now spend more time focused on building relationships with the extras i can now spend more time focused on setting a scene with the ad department what it's doing is actually giving the ad's that background pa it's giving them a a job that's more than just pushing paperwork it's making them a more valuable part of the ad department and last it's getting everybody offset earlier at the end of the night so in some sense it's really giving people a lot like helping to reduce their stress because you're not spending hours at, at night hanging around on set so those are some of the big areas of feedback now just from an accounting standpoint accountants love control Control is not, I don't mean like a controlling person. Control is an accounting term. It just means like you know who's, where data is coming from. You know who put in this time. They know, they love to know things with precise detail. So accountants say it makes our lives so much easier to have digital records of vouchers clean, compliant, and they always bring up legibility. They love that kind of thing. The main accountants, the production accountants, instead of like the payroll accountant, they love that a hot cost is available to them instantly. And putting all these things together is, you know, the, the way it's executed is really what makes it a, an exceptional piece of technology. Because, you know, I, I was a PA and I, I hadn't even heard of extras before I really started working it. Like I worked right when I got out of college. You know, I'd heard, I'd seen an extra, but you know, didn't think about it. Right. There are companies that have been in this business for a hundred years. There are companies that have been in this business for 10 years, you know, way before I came around that certainly were aware of this problem and certainly had, um, you know, had thought it through before. I heard people tell me, oh, we shelved something like this. We were trying to build it. We just shelved it, you know, or, you know, there are companies that came before mine and, and failed, basically. Um, so it's not to say, I think there's just a difference between the idea and the way you execute the idea. So now the last interesting thing about it is the way payroll companies work is that they get what's called a, I mean, a handling fee. So they get a handling fee on the total of the extras budget for that day or the, how much the show spends on their extras for that day. So a handling fee is usually like a 0.75 somewhere to two points, 250, somewhere around there, right. two and a half percent. So if we're cutting 10 to 15% from the extras budget, we're also indirectly cutting the payroll company's handling fee. And it's really the payroll company's responsibility to have created a solution like this. But they're not going to create a solution necessarily that cuts their fees. So it's kind of a strange trade-off there. And that's part of, uh, I guess, why I say we have to create, maneuver these relationships, basically. 
That's very cool. What are some things that you may be developing right now to, you know, features or things that you're working on to add on to the platform? Um, you know, some of them are hard to explain, but we're basically just dealing with the edge case stuff now. So we, as I said, we had done the, um, the overall efficiencies, we're delivering on the benefits, and now we're doing the things like, you know, somebody who shows up to set, whatever, it's like, 3.30 in the morning, the PAs are tired, you know, we need to have a few other details here in place to prevent for this, the tired scenario, you know, like we just come, we're just solving these problems as they come along. Um, everybody has ideas. Everybody's got their little thing they want to interject. And actually I've learned that several of them are good, but you shouldn't do them. <laughs> right. But, just because they're a good idea doesn't mean you should do it, right? I've let I've made the mistake of allowing certain people to um, dictate how they wanted a feature to be built, and it it was it just wasted my money, my company's money. So, you know that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, I'll give you like a, a specific feature that we're finishing and working on now. Um, You know, there's like, you wouldn't think, like, when you build something, I didn't, we didn't think it was going to be necessary to have a feature where you could look back at the end of the day and you could see everybody who had already been wrapped at the end of the day more than we already had it visually apparent because there's always a label when there's an extra who's been wrapped. But we didn't think it would be necessary then to have either an option where you could only see those people versus when you could see everybody versus when you could see uh, the people who were not wrapped. So right. it's like those, and the thing is, in the majority of the situation, it doesn't matter. But let's say you have 400 people in the app, you know, you might want to just find the five out of 400 really quickly that you haven't wrapped. So it's that kind of thing that we're dealing with. And again, it's not, it doesn't uh, crop up 95% of the time, but that other 5% of the time, it would be really useful. So that's the stuff we're working on. What what, are, what should someone do if they're, if they want to bring wraps to their set, their production? Who's the typical buyer um, for a program like this? It always ends up in, you know, one of the producer's names is on the contract, um, but it's always somebody has to champion it is what it comes down to in this early stage. You know, we're not widespread enough. We're not universally acknowledged enough that somebody who's like, oh, we're going to put Rabs on the show. It's like somebody has to, we have to come in, we have to demo, we have to show, you know, demonstrate the value, got to demonstrate the act. People have to believe that it works. Um, and then, you know, you have a contract. Basically, it's just a standard vendor agreement that would, anybody would sign. So what we usually do, you know, we have we form a relationship somehow, and I'll go and demo, or somebody else from my team will go and demo, and we'll spend time with them, uh, and we'll have discussions, and we'll, have, we'll go into negotiation. But if every show, it requires usually one or two people who really believe in what we're doing, to get it done. 
And I think this is not just some observation about my business. I think this is the observation about any change maker or in any organization. Because organizations are designed not to change. They're designed to you know, maintain. That's what's called institutional memory. So an organization that's designed to maintain is not necessarily going to bring on a new technology, even if it has immense benefits for them. The only way that happens if is if there's somebody in that organization with some influence and sway that wants to make sure it happens. So the process is, again, uh, we make contact. We do everything we can to like, learn about the show. Um, we put on a great demo. We usually, in the room with the demo, we like to have the accountants, the ADs, and hopefully a line producer or a UPM there because they sign the contract. Usually the line producer or the UPM leaves like more than less than halfway through the demo just because they're like, okay, these people will take care of it. That's what they're here for. <laughs> right. and, and then once you do that, I mean, we can turn it around and you can be up and running, you know, that day. But usually it takes you know, a week to solve to get everything in order because you got to go up to the studio, you got to see any permissions that have to go through, and so on and so forth. And then the buyer, it, the buyer is really all of those people in the room, even though they're not spending a dollar on it. And that's the thing. So, um, I'm just trying. Do you find do you find that it's like a coordinator or a second AD that's typically the champion? Like, who do you think we've had? So far, we've had we've had coordinators, we've had supervisors, we've had UPMs, we've had payroll accountants, we've had studio executives, we've had. Uh, I'm trying to think if an AD has ever taken the lead on it. No, an AD has never taken the lead on it yet. Not that I can think of, but they do usually have a strong voice in the room, but they're not typically the champion. Um, Typically, the real people who I think are very are, are the most they they have the most say and generally the most to gain also are the accountants. So, uh, and accountants are not always the most accessible of of people who are potential influencers because there's not like a DGA for accountants. So, I'd like to connect with more accountants, right? Yeah, and a lot of times they'll hide their email or phone number because <laughs> they don't want the crew to be calling them for their paycheck. So, you know, it's hard to get a hold of them sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things so, we did, by the way, let me just add in, one of the things we did that I know you know about, we were invited to the DGA Digital Day, which oh, was yeah. a wonderful opportunity. And, you know, you were part of that committee, Brandon. And, uh, and, you know, one of the things about the app is that people believe in it when they see it. They get it. And that's cool. Like we hadn't, I hadn't met anybody at the digital day committee before. I was invited to come in. You know how I got invited? Uh, I sent a cold email to Larry Lerner. I didn't really okay. know Larry Lerner. I never really didn't know him. And he responded, and we spoke. And he said you should talk to Susie. Susie invited me in. So a lot of the great things that have happened in this business are as a result of cold calling. It's pretty amazing. And cold emails. Um, but you know that was a great opportunity. So right. that's anyway. Back to your question. Sorry. Oh well, I was just going to say I think the main thing that I always run into, whether it's your technology or some other technology, is just you know just trying to get people to use technology sometimes. You know, and it's 2019. You'd think it would be easier, but there's still a lot of just 
you know, resistance to new things or um, new ideas. Um, yeah. Sure. So, well, I mean, like, look at even, you know, you were trying to get this thing set up, the podcast set up on some, like, podcast service thing. I don't know what it was. It was a recording service. And it didn't really <laughs> work, right? And right. that's, like, you know, that's what people are afraid of also. It's like, geez, technology is so good and so advanced, but it doesn't work half the time. So that's a fear. That's a genuine um, fear that people, that consumers have, that they don't want to get be left with, as in the Godfather, they say, I don't want my brother Mikey walking out there with nothing but his dick in his hand. And that's the feeling that everybody has, right? And that's the problem with the technology adoption. That said, uh, it hasn't been too much of a problem with us because we built a very stable, good, and uh, difficult-to-achieve piece of technology. Well, I, you know, I think what you're doing is really exciting, and, you know, I can't wait to use it on a set that I work on. Um, I, I think these are important problems to solve, and, you know, it really does make a difference, you know, when people are working that 14 hours and they don't have to work a 15th or 16th hour, you know. It makes their drive safer that night, you know, things like that you don't even think about, you know. Um, so thank you for the, your time t today. Um, how can people follow you? Are you on social media? you have a website? Well, the company is Run a Better Set. That's the website, runabetterset.com. Uh, I don't really want followers. I'm not interested. I'm interested in business. Uh, and uh, if you would like, if you're out there and you're a UPM, an accountant, and you're listening to it, um, here's how you can reach me. My email is josh at runabetterset.com. That's josh at runabetterset.com. And if you were, would like to do business together, I am the person to talk to. So uh, that's the easiest thing to do. We have a Twitter, by the way, which, you know, we just, like, communicate with the extras through. That's all it's for. Um, that's it. That's the, and it's as simple as it possibly can be. And, Brandon, like, the nice things that you were saying here at the end about how it, the difference between the 14, 15, 16-hour day, that's what I'm talking about. That's the champion in the room. That's the mentality that they have. It's like right. – it's like we get you know you're not you're you, they somebody has to have the vision who works on the show to say let's do this new thing and that's and that's only going to be of course until it's not such a new thing anymore until it's standard practice but it's only a matter of time. Great, hey, good stuff. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Brandon. Take care. Have a great one. Great. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today. Please visit us on iTunes, leave a comment, subscribe, and tell a friend. If you'd like to stay up to date with what we're doing, you can visit the blog at assistantdirecting.com and sign up for our monthly e-newsletter where we will notify you of the new episodes and highlight interesting technology and software in the film industry.